Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. This is actually part seven of a series that we're doing called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today's topic is Discover the Rhythms of Sabbath. Now, the topics I'm covering in this series are meant to whet your appetite, that is, create a hunger in you for more, and introducing you, hopefully, to a whole new world, a Copernican revolution paradigm shift, uh, a number of biblical ideas that will offer a whole new way of looking at your life in God, the way you understand yourself, the world. It's meant to transform the way you're following Jesus and the way you work, pray, do relationships, build community, lead, etc. Actually, nothing is untouched the deeper you go into each one of these themes. Now, I love the church. I believe in the church wholeheartedly and her importance, her centrality in what God's doing in the world, despite her many challenges and problems. And our calling here at EH Discipleship is to move the church from a shallow, superficial discipleship to one that deeply transforms people in Christ. And so our aim is to equip uh, the church with excellent biblical content and materials uh, to ad- be able to address and thrive in the midst of the challenges uh, that we're facing today and, and lead and develop people into a place of depth. So hopefully... Uh, these podcasts are whetting your appetite to get serious about this. So let me invite you uh, to pick up the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course Leaders Kit Expanded Edition that has just been released. Uh, It's for pastors and leaders, churches, ministries, with all the materials and resources you need to actually implement the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course and the Relationships Course uh, into your church ministry. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash store. Now, it's going to cost you a bit of something, but it's a super value, and of course, all the profits go to expand EH discipleship. This especially is important if you're in leadership uh, in the church, uh, or if that's a bit too much, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash preview and get a free taste uh, of a couple of sessions from that kit that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash preview. And you want to dive into it for yourself first, uh, more deeply than I could ever possibly take you in a podcast. In fact, this series has been so significant, and we've actually had uh, over 500,000 downloads in just the last two months uh, based on this series. And so I'm going to do one or two podcasts when I finish the series on these rich themes that we've been touching on. Uh, everything from go back to go forward, walls, grief and loss, silence, the daily office, know yourself that you may know God. And I'm going to invite you to send in questions or case studies to me uh, from these different themes because the applications of each uh, have to be worked out in context. And there's just so much more that we could never do on a co- uh, in a podcast. So uh, if you want to send me a case study, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study uh, and fill one out and send it to me. Or, or I'll post actually this case study form on my social media over the next couple of weeks as well. Or if you want to send me a question uh, around emotionally healthy spirituality, just go to askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org, askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org, and I will get that question. I will integrate all that material into one or two podcasts. Okay, with that, let's dive into our topic for today, which is discover the rhythm of Sabbath. Now, You and I were created to embrace limits and rhythms in our lives, to have a rhythm in our days and our weeks. In fact, the uh, story of our first parents, Adam and Eve in Genesis, 
uh, chapter 2 gives us this picture of they were given enormous freedom uh, to work and cultivate the garden, but they were given a limit uh, to not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, they were to uh, submit and surrender to God's authority. They were to do activity, build uh, the garden, but they were to stop and to trust and surrender to the love of God. But their original sin of rebellion actually was all about refusing to accept rhythms or limits. Uh, they were willful. They were resisted versus trusting and surrendering. So God created you. Uh, God created me for rhythms in our days. We talked about that last week in the daily office in silence. And God created us for rhythms in our weeks uh, with Sabbath keeping. Now, this idea of rhythm in our weeks and Sabbath goes back 3,500 years. Uh, it's a bottomless, rich truth that just, again, the more you get on the inside of it, the deeper it gets. I love what the rabbi Abraham Heschel wrote uh, when he said, The Sabbath is the most precious present humankind has received from the treasure house of God. Some of you are saying, I don't know what that's about. I'll say it again because it's so important. The Sabbath is the most precious present that humankind has received from the treasure house of God. Now, again, that never meant much to me for most of my Christian life. And I actually began uh, in actually 1996, experimenting, doing Sabbath. I had a lot of stops and stars, was learning about it. But it wasn't until I really touched the contemplative monastic tradition uh, in 2003, where after a four-month sabbatical, I knew. I knew this was a central biblical practice. And so I read everything on it, studied it, got clear theologically, and it was a life changer for me. Uh, and since then has been just a core part of my own spirituality and practice. Now, Jesus restored the, origi the original intention of Sabbath when he said the Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath, Mark 2.27. In other words, the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. It's a gift uh, to be received. It's not a burden. So we're not talking about legalism. Uh, nor are we talking about licentiousness, where it's irrelevant. It, it's a spiritual formation practice, uh, much like prayer and Bible study. It doesn't save us. Jesus saves us and him alone. But it's a core practice in our discipleship and our leadership and building healthy cultures um, as we follow Christ. But of course, we don't ever want to get judged by a Sabbath day because as Paul wrote in Colossians 2, these are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So just, you know, I got to a point in, in my own development and as we were building culture, uh, uh, both when I was a pastor and now leading EH Discipleship, where Sabbath is a, a must for anyone who's on, you know, leadership and staff because we model, we, we, we model the fact that we trust God, just like we trust God with our finances, we trust God with our time, uh, and we're shaping culture. So we live our theology um, and Sabbath, the implications of Sabbathing, either ignoring it or actually practicing it are vast. Uh, and my prayer is that you'll build a rhythm, if you don't have one yet, to inform your whole spirituality. And ultimately, it will infuse the other six days of the week as you, of the week as you dig into Sabbath. It, makes, it gives you a taste of what's possible the other six days, actually. So uh, in the two places where the Sabbath command is given, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, uh, the Lord basically says, you know, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, there's 10 commandments given. The longest is the 10th commandment. 
Um, you know, it begins by you shall have no other gods. Don't make yourself an idol. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Then the fourth commandment, the longest, as rabbis will always point out to you, is observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And then he gives the, the Lord gives the command, of what, the explanation of why. And he says, 400 years you were slaves in Egypt. Uh, no Sabbath rest. All of life was work. You worked seven days a week for 400 plus years. You were a doing machine. Your worth and value is in what you produced. Just try to imagine. That's like today, 400 years. Everyone worked seven days a week. Your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great-grandparents since, you know, the, the early 1600s. Uh, talk about Jesus may be in your heart and grandpa's in your bones. You are what you do. So much in your physiolo physiological body. No play, no rhythm. Your whole identity is to produce bricks. Uh, and so we have a, don't have a, a literal pharaoh driving us today uh, as in Egypt, but we have an internal pharaoh driving us. I have a, a friend who, a PhD uh, therapist who deals with a lot of international um, you know, CEO types and attorneys uh, globally. And I asked him years ago, why is it that pastors don't take Sabbath, uh, even if they believe in it or teach it. And he laughed at me and he said, because they're as out of control as the people that come to visit me in my practice. They just can't stop. And uh, they're, if they stop, they'll have to face things inside of themselves that they're hiding from. Uh, and uh, he talked about just this underdeveloped sense of self of who we are. Uh, and that so many of us, especially those in leadership, we carry deep feelings of worthlessness and we compensate for it by producing a great deal. You know, I never feel like I'm good enough or uh, loved enough or I'm never quite safe enough or perfect enough or uh, got enough control of the future. I've, I've never, I'm never extraordinary enough or I'm never thin enough or smart enough or rich enough or promoted enough. The list goes on. I'm never successful enough. And so it's kind of this driver like a pharaoh inside, I've just got to keep pushing. And it's almost like a, a, a deep, you know, a deep well of shame of, and so how can I stop? How can I play? How can I delight? So I got to work 80 hours, uh, then maybe I'll deserve a bit of pleasure. And so there's kind of this, this you know, shame has been defined as this uh, painful feeling or experience of being flawed. Uh, Sabbath really makes us vulnerable. Uh, it can be quite terrifying in the beginning. And especially when we're used to working like crazy day after day, uh, that external voice of you are what you do, that feral voice, that slave driver actually gets inside of us. Um, and it becomes how we relate to our sense of self. And God comes along and says, no, no, you are sacred. Uh, you're a sacred human being made in my image. Uh, you're not a tool of production. You're not a slave. You're my son. You're my daughter. Uh, and I have a gift for you. And the gift is a, a Sabbath, part of my many, many gifts to you. Now, the word Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat, Hebrew, and it means to stop, to rest, to delight, to contemplate God for a 24-hour period each week. It's a way we organize a rhythm in our weeks. Uh, in working uh, six days, again, paid and unpaid work, and I'll explain in a moment. And then we actually have a Sabbath to the Lord our God. Uh, and what makes Sabbath different than a day off is it's got certain qualities to it. 
Uh, and I, I, in my, in my study in 2003, 2004, when I really dug into this, I, when I read everything, I ended up with these four qualities and you could frame it a bit differently, but this has always helped me over the years to, to kind of shape a 24 hour period of making it a Sabbath. And it's the word stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. So there's, there's words stopping in Sabbath. The very word itself means to cease, to stop literally. It's a deliberate act of not working, not producing, uh, but actually enjoying grace resting in the fact that if God's God, I'm not, I'm just a human and uh, I'm not finished, but that's okay. I can stop because God is on the throne and he's got uh, the whole universe in his hands. The problem is that uh, most of us, and uh, I count myself uh, in the, in this group, is I can have 10 days of goals and activities, uh, but I've only got you know 24 hours in a day and six days in a week to work. Uh, and I, I was, I wasn't created, and you weren't created to work an eighteen-hour day. Uh, so this issue of Sabbath and stopping our work cuts to the core of our spirituality and relationship with God, because I'm never finished, and Sabbath sets me free to not be finished. Uh, there'll be when I die, and when you die, there'll be many goals and many projects that you will not finish. Uh, but I can stop because God's on the throne, and He assures us. The world will go on quite well without us. It won't fall apart. Uh, he's managing things beautifully. Uh, and he's going to wrap everything up uh, in his son, Jesus Christ, the end of history, in a new heaven and a new earth. And when we die, uh, the kingdom of God will go on just fine without us. Uh, but this core spiritual issue of stopping revolves around trust and embracing limits. That I'm a human being, I'm a creature, I'm dependent, uh, and I'm weak. And so Sabbath, in a sense, concerns itself with wasting time, at least by the world's point of view, because I'm not accomplishing any measurable goal. And the great struggle with uh, taking a 24-hour time period is, will God take care of me? And the concerns that I've got and I'm carrying if I stop and practice Sabbath. And we of all people on earth are to, in a sense, be a prophetic sign of this, that God's on the throne. But I don't just stop, then I rest. That's also in the Hebrew word of Sabbath. Just like soil, Israel was to rest the soil every seventh year. They were to let it lie fallow so God could replenish the nutrients in the soil. Uh, we too are to stop and rest the soil of our souls. Actually, this is actually built into the reason for the Sabbath commandment in Exodus chapter 20 because we're made in God's image. Um, and uh, God rests on the seventh day uh, in Genesis 1. And we have soil of our souls that need to be replenished. We respect the weakness and limits of our humanity that we're image bearers of God. And if God had a rhythm of work and Sabbath, so we do as well. We need one. And so to keep working and working and working, um, and I did it um, week after week, month after month, year after year. Uh, and even when I'm not working, I'm thinking about it. It's a violent to one's soul. Uh, again, we, when the Bible speaks about work, there's paid work we do and there's unpaid work we do. Uh, and we live in a culture that defines itself by work. You know, what do you do? Uh, we overvalue it and work is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. But, uh, this idea of this pressure that production is what gives, and what I produce is what gives me, uh, my full meaning in life. Uh, but no, the center point, what gives me full meaning in life, what revolve, my life revolves around God, slowing down to be with God. And Sabbath can seem so strange and absurd, almost lazy. We can feel guilty about it. 
Um, but it's not a break in one work in one's work. Sabbath doesn't exist for the sake of work. It's not a means to an end. It is actually uh, to the Lord our God. It's a gift to receive. I like what Eugene Peterson always called a day off, uh, a bastard Sabbath, because it looks like a Sabbath, but it's really not, because it's not to the Lord our God. See, I, I, I Sabbath, and I stop, and I rest, and I receive this gift with, you know, given to me by God. And so for Jerry and me, we, our, our Sabbath is a, you know, it's always been Friday night, 6 p.m. to Saturday night, 6 p.m. Um, and uh, now it's often all day Saturday as well. Uh, and uh, so this past uh, weekend, I, what I do is I drove to be with my daughter and son-in-law and their three small children. And uh, my delight was to be with them and their kids. And uh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was just pure delight. Uh, Jerry... Uh, didn't want to deal with the traffic uh, of getting out of New York uh, and the drive. And so since we're going to see them in another week or so, Jerry stayed home and she walked and rested and had a, her own great day. But for me to, to stop and rest on Sabbath means I, I don't I don't do work email. I, I don't do phone calls. I, I don't hurry or I don't hurry. Uh, I don't multitask. I, I, I don't do things that I have to worry and, and, and anxious about things like taxes and budgets and pay bills. I don't do that on Sabbath. I, I don't make difficult decisions, Jerry, and I avoid that on Sabbath. I don't. I try not to catch up on errands. Uh, I don't do shoulds and have tos. Um, in fact, in the commandment in, in Deuteronomy, it says, you know, those who work for us are not are, are to get a rest. You know, on Sabbath, the nuance is we don't just rest ourselves. We give rest to the people around us. I mean, people who work with me will tell you, thank God, Pete, Sabbaths, because I'm a whirlwind of ideas uh, and activity. So it's a great thing. But a third quality and uh, you know, critically important quality is this word delight. So I stop, I rest, and I delight. And, and it comes out of Genesis 1 and 2 where God sees the beautiful universe he's created and he says, it is good. It's very good. It's beautiful. And he delights. He beams with delight. Um, and it's always been a difficult one for me because my family of origin, my genogram, uh, again, talking about going back to go forward, we didn't do delight. So it took me years to learn how to do delight. Uh, ah, the aha of the amazing creation of God from food and smell and, and and the five senses and nature and the beauties of hiking and flowers and trees and leaves and beauty and, you know, just exercise in a way that's just purely lovely and friendships and music and art. Jürgen Moltmann, a German theologian, wrote a very fascinating book called The Theology of Play. And uh, how God created us, God himself and the Trinity plays. And God created so much of the world, this amazing world, in a playful way. And that when we play things like board games that don't have any kind of purpose, uh, at least purpose by the world's definition of purpose, we're actually tasting something of our future, something of, of heaven. And uh, we just, so you want to find things that give you delight. Uh on Sabbath, and you you cultivate that. And I've had situations where I've had to help leaders uh, wrestle with finding things to delight in because their their whole life is work. And uh, but it's part of, it's a key part of discipleship, uh, joining God in delighting in the world He has made. And then finally, the last uh, quality is stop, rest, delight, and then I contemplate. I'm not speaking about you sit around and play all day. I'm talking about a, 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 a focus and awareness of I see the invisible God in the visible world around me. I see God in all of life, that life is a miracle.
kind of like the discipline of slow. You know, I try to drive in the slow lane on Sabbath. I, I look at people and trees and go and relax in the grocery store on the slow line. I try to eat slower and chew food longer. But like on Sabbath, and you know, I spent some, you know, I spent some time in these, you know, last few months and reading a lot about cosmology and quantum physics and trees. Um, I just love exploring and learning and feels very different than what I'm normally accustomed to. It, it's like a great vacation day every week given by God. Again, back to the Rabbi Abraham Heschel. Uh, he writes about how on Sabbath we taste eternity. We're, we're tasting eternal life. We're transported and taste eternal Sabbath rest. And there's going to come a day you're going to die. You're going to stop all your work. You're going to rest fully. You're going to delight in God as you see him face to face. You're going to contemplate him in all of his glory. And so every Sabbath we taste heaven. We taste our end. We taste our long-term future. We're here on earth with just a vapor if it's a brief life. I like what Heschel wrote. He says, unless we learn to relish the taste of Sabbath while we're still in the world, unless one is initiated in the appreciation of eternal life, one will be unable to taste, uh, one will be unable to enjoy the taste of eternity in the world to come. Now, listen, you don't have to keep Sabbath. God's not going to love you less if you don't Sabbath. You get to keep Sabbath. As Jesus said, the Sabbath, you weren't made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for you as a gift, Mark 2, 27. It's meant to break your addiction uh, to doing, to making, to producing, to accomplishing. It's like getting off crack. That's my great image. It's getting off heroin. It's it's living and, and leading as a free person. Uh, but like so many biblical truths, it's got to be understood from the inside. In other words, you got to dive into it to begin to get it. It took the Israelites a long time to understand Sabbath. Um, if you look at it, when the command was first given on Mount Sinai, uh, it took quite a while. Uh, and uh, the 40 years in the wilderness, it's going to take you a while to figure out how do I craft a Sabbath um, that fits me, that fits how God's uniquely made me, um, where I stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Again, we're, we're living in a, a, Paul writes in Romans 14, every day is alike. The day is not as significant. We are in the new covenant of Jesus. And so it's got to be wrestled with and thought through, how, how do I do this? Now, just a few thoughts and invitations as we, we close. I, you want to get a bigger view. There's a lot going on with Sabbath. Um, I like what uh, Walter Brueggemann wrote a book called how it re, it's about, Sabbath is about resisting powers and principalities. That when we practice Sabbath, we are resisting demonic powers, Ephesians 6. Uh, and he bases it on Deuteronomy 5, that remember, God says, observe the Sabbath. By keeping it holy, it's a time that's set apart. It's different. But remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand. And in ancient times, Pharaoh was considered a god, uh, and so he had to be obeyed. And so behind Pharaoh were demonic powers of principalities. Well, in the same way today, uh, the world tells us you are what you do. You know, what do you do? What have you accomplished? How much you own uh, your possessions, your power? And... Uh, in Sabbath, God invites us to resist the powers and agree with him in the gospel, which says you're loved and valued in Christ apart from anything you do. It's like in Ephesians 3.10, the church, uh, the through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the powers and principalities in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 3.10. In a sense, when you Sabbath, you offer a gift to everybody around you. You're, you're resisting the powers, uh, not just for yourself, but for those you serve and lead. Uh, it's actually prophetic. We're bearing witness to Jesus and his lordship. 
to our families, the folks who are around us, um, and against the powers of evil. I, I love when Jerry says uh, and has said, Sabbath is the one day of the week I most believe and live out the fundamental truth of the gospel. I do nothing productive, and yet I experience being utterly loved. So get a bigger view and create a container uh, for that 24-hour period of stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. Uh, In other words, that this 24-hour period is different than the other six days. You create some kind of boundaries about it, a protective container. Make a list of the things that you delight in. Uh, Prepare in advance. Get a support team. Uh, decide what you're going to let in that protective container and what's not going to get in that protective container. And again, you got to experiment, you know, back and forth. And then, you know, another thought to consider is you want to build this Sabbath rhythm into your culture of those, your the teams you're leading and the way you supervise people. Um, now, again, how you supervise volunteers, paid staff, you know, you want to ask them, how are your rhythms in your days of being with Jesus, your days, your, and in your weeks, Sabbath, you know, how's your balancing of your being and doing for Jesus? You know, I, I when I was pastoring our church years ago, I, we did a seven-week Sabbath Lent initiative. Uh, seven weeks, preached on Sabbath, did a panel with different people talking about how they do Sabbath, singles, married with small children, folks who were retired. We gave all some reading material, made T-shirts, candles, gave out candles. It was a great success. We only did it once. It probably needed to be repeated every, you know, two, three, four years. And I've been asked, Pete, well, how did people get it uh, at New Life Fellowship when you were pastoring it. And I would say, well, I, I, I think it was spotty. It was definitely in the culture. I was always concerned about it becoming a legalism. Didn't want that to happen. But I can say this, it did get fully in the leadership culture. I'm talking about page staff, the board, key leaders, that uh, it, it was not just a part of the vocabulary. It was definitely the leadership culture that it was understood that you were modeling and living a rhythm of Sabbath and work. And that was very rich. And then I want to encourage you to, to redefine vacations and your getaways uh, like as sabbaticals. In other words, when you have a three-day weekend, it's a sabbatical. You know, you, you've got a, uh, you're going on vacation for two, three weeks, take a sabbatical, consider it a sabbatical. So you, you put the same framework on those time frames: Stop, rest, delight, contemplate. You plan in advance. You think it through. Just like Israel had their national festivals three times a year, um, uh, that you think through as well uh, your vacations differently and you plan in advance. It's not going to be easy or quick. It wasn't for them. It's not going to be for you. Uh, Sabbath can be difficult to cultivate, especially when you get started. It's a massive change. Uh, so you want to give yourself a lot of grace for trial and error. This has to be worked out and talked about. Again, the season of life you're in, you've got small kids, maybe you're caring for aging parents, the nature of your work, uh, young family, students, etc. So again, I want to invite you to, um, you, you want to dig into this more deeply. So I'm, I'm trying to whet your appetite uh, to get serious about this. So again, let me invite you to uh, pick up the Emotional Discipleship Course Leaders Kit, Expanded Edition. Uh, dig into it. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash store. Pick that up, dig into it, uh, especially the workbook as you get into frequently asked questions, etc. cetera, uh, or go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash preview. And again, here, we're going to take a minute of silence uh, as we close, but before I do, I want to invite you as well to send to me questions and or a case study. Uh, I'm going to do one or two podcasts at the end of this series on emotionally healthy spirituality and these rich themes. 
Um, but I want to invite you to send me some case studies, perhaps, of you, as you're wrestling, how do I implement, for example, um, you know, rhythms of silence and Sabbath into my work culture? Some of you are actually in business or not leading nonprofits or on the mission field. Uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study. Fill it out uh, and send it to me. And uh, you can make it anonymous if you like. Uh, it'd be great. And... Uh, you know, send it to me, or you want to send me some questions that I can answer. Go to go to askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org. I will get that. Send me any questions you're caring about, anything related to this series, and uh, I will weave it into a podcast uh, in a month or so. Okay? So let's close with uh, a minute of silence before the Lord here together. Uh, and now let me invite you to take a nice deep breath. We've talked about, you know, something heavenly, something profound, uh, and we want to surrender to uh, the loving Holy Spirit together uh, and breathe the air of eternity uh, in stillness and silence before the Lord. Again, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Uh, there's a knowledge of God that can only come in silence. So let me indite, take a deep breath, close your eyes, and let's take a minute of silence before the Lord. Amen, everybody. Thank you so much. God bless you, and may you have a wonderful day.